Fellows, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. You can also adjust settings to get a length you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, valued at $39, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. Welcome in to the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. He's Jake Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer, and we are recording this, Jake, four days away until opening day for the Astros against the Seattle Mariners. So within a week, we will, for the first time for you and I in, let's see, four months, be hopefully talking about actual baseball games. The first time in the history of the, of the podcast, right? <laughs> first time. <laughs> It's almost surreal. I'm very excited, but it does kind of feel surreal. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming to, to finally have uh, real games to analyze, to watch. Um, you know, I was even watching over the weekend, like some of the Yankees Mets just because it was on. Yes. Right. And just to have baseball on was was nice. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this week. I, I, there's two games Thursday. Right. And then most yep. of most of Major League Baseball opens on Friday. So. Uh, Friday should be pretty fun. It, it should be fun. Real, real quick, and, and we'll talk about this more probably, you know, in the next you know week or so. But looking at the Yankee Mets uh, highlights and, and some of their action from over the weekend, how is your adjustment to no fans? Just um, visually, it's okay. I don't. I'm still deciding if I like the cardboard cutouts or not. Um, I think it's okay. I mean, it takes some getting used to, obviously. Yeah, um, I think the harder thing to get used to is the piped in noise because it just sounds fake, right? Yeah, I know that they can do it. I, I think they're still trying to work out the kinks of it because from what I understand, they can do it usually at a pretty good level. I mean, video games have been doing this for decades, right? With fake crowd noise. And Not when I, I think hit. some of... <laughs> exactly. I think some of these regional sports networks are maybe just trying it out. Uh, and, and so maybe it's not right now quite to the level of, of where it's going to be for me. Like, I, I just want to see how I feel when I start watching Thursday and Friday, because I can't really predict how I'm going to feel about it. Like it did feel a little weird looking at Yankee Stadium with nobody in there except for the players. It was a little strange for me. I know I'll get used to that, but I'm, I'm curious how I will feel on Friday at 810 when Justin Verlander's on the mound and there's nobody in the stands and the game still counts. I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see how I'll feel. Yeah, I'm definitely not used to it yet, but I think I don't think it'll take long for us to get used to it um, just because we have to. Right. But uh, we do. It was weird to see. Um, but again, for me, I think the crowd noise thing was the bigger, bigger than also like the broadcasters, you know, 
calling games remotely is going to be different. I think there's just going to be so much different that it's going to take at least two or three weeks to get used to all of it um, to varying degrees. Yes. And by three weeks in, you're nearly to the halfway point of the season, basically, (laughs) right? right. With 60. So we've got a bunch to get into. We're going to break this up into basically thirds as far as uh, this podcast. And we're going to start with over-unders for the Astros 2020 season. Uh, These are basically prop bets. What's going to happen? Uh, Jake and I both have the the master list we've each picked kind of three or four we're going to go back and forth we'll do this in in sort of a draft like format which isn't as easy with two people but jake let's start with uh, and we're also going to conclude this portion with the astros win total for this season and give our predictions on that but jake i'll start with you for your your first over under for 2020 yeah so according to the vegas numbers we have um the one that stuck out to me most that I have to pick first is uh, the over-under on Jose Altuve home runs was six. Uh, yes. I'm going to pump the over on that one um, because he hit 31 last year. And that's if you divide whatever the, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not <laughs> doing math games. on the podcast, but it's more than six yeah. uh, in a 60 game season. So. Uh, especially since they play 30 games at Minute Maid, the Crawford boxes are are pretty enticing for a right-handed hitter. I think he'll. I think Altuve uh, will hit more than six. Um, and just to be clear, I don't bet on baseball. This is just a hypothetical me me picking. Uh, yes, stuff. This one did stand out to me, and I I, I was gonna pick this, but then I you know obviously you, you selected it first. Um, I actually went back a little further with Altuve because. This is a situation, Jake, where you have to do math if you're doing props for 2020 because, you know, you're playing 60 games versus 162. So when you look at some of these numbers, you're like, what do they mean? Uh, A 60 game season is 37 percent of a normal season. And so when I was going back, I was multiplying everything by 0.37 to figure out what it meant. Altuve would have gone over this number in both 2016 and 2017 when he had 24 home runs. each in both of those seasons. So even taking away 31 home runs last season, which was a career high, I think you're going to be on the right side of that number. All right, so Jake goes Altuve over six home runs. I'm going to go with Alex Bregman over, and this is something I didn't need to do math on, over a batting average of 280. Bregman's been consistently in a slightly above 280 hitter each of the last three seasons. 284, 286, 296. I guess the concern would be smaller sample size, more randomness, more variance, whatever phrase you want to throw in there. But if Bregman was nearly a 300 hitter last season, I don't know why he'd be below 280 in a 60 game season. I feel like the trajectory remains up with Bregman. Um, He's healthy. It looks like he's hitting the ball pretty well in this modified summer camp. I'm going to go over Bregman 280. I'm going to give the counter to this argument. I don't think I would pick over or under on this one, but Bregman is traditionally better in the second half uh, compared to the first half, and which suggests it takes some time for him to kind of get settled in Good and be at his peak. Um, you know, if you look, I think his career, I'm looking at it right now, his career first half average is 271. His career second half average is 302. Um and he's under 280 for every month before August and September. So that's the that's the counter argument, I think. But it depends on what this is. Like, we don't know what 
there's no comp for starting a season on July 24th, obviously. So will he <laughs> be? The, will he yeah. need time to settle in like he would in a first half, or will he pick up where he would on a normal post All Star break July 24th uh, time frame? So I, I think it's a one to if if you were betting on these to stay away from because there's uncertainty as to how how players will you know react to the late start. It's interesting. I I, I thought about bringing this up as a, as a side topic a few weeks ago about like different ways the Astros are affected by a 60-game season. And people know that Bregman has been a slow starter, but depending on the way you want to like slice it and break it down, he hasn't been that slow of a starter. Like in April of 2018, he had 278. I know batting average is not that big of a stat in 2020. I understand that. Last season in April, he hit 309. So like sometimes you can combine months, you can divide the months. Your point is correct. He's been better in the second half than he was in the first half, but I think he's gotten to the point as a hitter where if I had to bet my life over under 280, I'm going to go over, so I'm picking Bregman over the 280. Okay, my next pick. Um, you know, I, f- I don't feel great about this pick, but Zach Greinke over 70 and a half strikeouts. Okay. Um, obviously, Greinke at 36 is not a huge strikeout pitcher anymore. Like he's not the power guy. He wasn't back in the Royals days. He's very much a command guy, but um, in 12 starts, uh, several against bad teams like the Mariners, I think he can get over 70 and a half. You know what? I'm going to go with a checker on a checker here. This is what Mike and the Mad Dog used to do. Uh, last season, Granky had a total of, if I'm doing my math correctly, 177 strikeouts, 188. Hang on a second. Let me let me do this right now. The prorated last season for Granky was 69.19 strikeouts. So the over-under is 70 and a half. I actually went with the under on this. Uh, my feeling being, I don't know if in the first, let's see, let's say three to four starts, if he's going to pitch as deep into games as he might have last season. And so I went uh, under this amount. I went under this total. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough call. Um, honestly, like when I looked at this list for this this exercise, this, this draft, um, the Altuve Homer one was the only one that like really stuck out as an obvious pick for me. Um, Granky one, I'm, I'm taking a little bit more of a leap on this pick. Um, I don't know. I, I just think the pitching is going to be ahead of the hitting for a first week or two, maybe more. And he can still get a double digit strikeout game. Uh, he's, he's shown that. I, I think if you look at the first, his first 12 starts last year at the D backs, he was over 70.5. I think it was like 73 somewhere in there. Um, and you know, Theoretically, he sh- shouldn't be any worse than he was last year. If, if anything, maybe he's better because, um, you know, he's, he's, the Astros are known for getting more out of pitchers and he's with Brent Strom for a full season. So that's kind of my, my logic there. I was also watching his in- intra-squad the other day and his command looked really good already. So um, maybe he's only going five innings in his first start. But I think these, yeah. I think these guys will be built up like more than we think they are pretty quickly. 
Yeah, I think this this is a tricky one. Again, Jake is going with the over on, on Granky strikeout, 70 and a half. I'm, I'm going under. I, I can really see both sides of this. What I'm betting on is Granky being a little bit older, so maybe he doesn't quite have the same stuff to strike guys out. You counter it with, well, the pitchers are ready earlier. I actually agree with that part. Uh, for me, it's kind of the combination of the 60 games, not going as deep into, into games early on, and just being one year older. So if I had to bet, I would say the under on that. Okay, so we each have four picks so far. Since we disagree on Granky, I'll send it back to you for your next pick. Okay, so that was actually your pick, the under on that. That was that was actually my pick. Wow. Yeah, that was actually one of my picks. Yes, so we'll exactly. definitely have yes. to revisit these in in um, in September or in yes. October. Yeah, October, October. Before we get back to our conversation, let me take a few seconds to tell you about Dugout Mugs, a company that started in a college baseball dugout. Hence the name. It is the barrel of a baseball bat turned into a 12-ounce mug. They are licensed by MLB, so you can get your favorite team logo laser engraved onto the mug. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. I think my third pick, so like, I don't know, I was going to pick like, I was going to cheat and pick Jordan Alvarez under 16 and a half home runs or under 47 <laughs> and a half RBIs, but I'm not going to do that to you um, because clearly he's not going to be ready for opening day. Um, Yuli Gurriel over eight and a half home runs. Why over? Um, he hit a lot of home runs last year, right? He did. I had actually forgot. I don't know how this happened to me. I had forgotten how good Yuli's season was in 2019. I don't know how that happened, but his season was outstanding. I mean, he had he was an over 3,100 guy, and I was looking at the numbers last night, and I'm like, that's a hell of a season. Yeah, so I'm not going to embarrass myself and do math on air, but 31 homers. Um, Same as Altuve, yeah. Prorated. I don't know. Eight and a half seemed, seemed low to me. Um, I think... I think he'll hit more than that. I, I especially with the, the Crawford box there for thirty half of your games for thirty year games is is uh, I don't know maybe it's skewing my opinion too much, but um, he's he's older obviously, but he hasn't shown to be slowing down with age. Um, he's thirty six. Wow, yeah, but he looks like he's thirty right when you watch him play. So yeah, he does. Yes. Um, I think it, you have to weigh in age differently for everyone, and I still think he's going to perform. If not the same as last year, similar to last year. You know what? This is going to be another checker on a checker. I had two Yuli unders, and I'm going to I'm going to pick the one that goes directly against yours. And here's why: Yuli Gurriel last year was his third full season in the majors. The two previous ones, I mean, relatively full seasons. The two previous, he had 18 home runs and 13 home runs. Those kind of numbers over a 60 game season would put him under the number of eight and a half home runs. So because of the because of 2017 and 2018, I'm going to say 2019 was an outlier for Yuli. And as you get a little bit older at the age of now uh, of now 36, I actually was pretty confident in the under on this. I didn't really think of Yuli as a major home run hitter up until last season. And I'm going to say that's going to be the most home runs he hits in a single season in baseball. That's that's not really going on too much of a limb because of the just the age and, and the pandemic and everything. Right. I'm going to go with the under here. I, I actually I'm going to go under eight and a half home runs. 
I guess I'm betting on the juice ball still being a thing, and you're you're kind of betting on the ball not being as juiced. <laughs> That's a good point, in a way. Yes. I mean, I was I was following on Twitter like uh, the Yankees Mets game last night, after, you know, and like there was like a homer every inning, <laughs> and yes. I don't know a lot of these inter squad games in general. There's a lot of it seems like the ball's jumping pretty good, so I don't know. I'm, it's hard to predict any of this stuff when you don't know what ball they're using, but I'm kind of I guess betting on the. The juice ball still being a thing. My thought was that the eight and a half was again. You think about eight and a half home runs, you're like, you're like that. That doesn't seem like that many, and it's really not. But it, but it is a number over. It is over sixty games, and he didn't hit twenty home runs in seventeen and eighteen. So my thought was, I think I'm on the safe side going on the under as opposed to the over. So we we see these two things uh, differently, Granky and Yuli Gurriel. I'm living dangerously. You're playing it safe. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, because you need some counting stats to go over in a, in a short season, whereas I do not. Yeah. Yes. Um, let me look real quick. What did he have through 60 games last year? He had... Oh, baseball reference is loading. Hold on. He had four home runs through 60 games last year, so maybe I'm stupid. That's a that that's a that's a hell of a tear that he went on after those sixty games. Yeah, and that's sixty games for him. He had he so that's sixty sixth game of the year for the Astros last year. I'll add one more thing real quick to this. Um, I don't know if Yuli's going to play, and this is a this is something that applies to every player. I don't know if he's going to play all sixty games. I mean, Yuli was a guy who was basically around one hundred and forty or so if you average out over one hundred and sixty two. So I'm not sure if he's going to be, you know, just from an age standpoint, like, I don't know if you can rest guys at all, but it's not like he's played 100% of his games before. Is that going to happen in 2020? Yeah, but he's also a free agent. So, like, what do you have to lose if you're the Astros? That's a good point. Um, but who knows if he's going to be available to play every single game? Right. It's kind of more my exact thought. Yeah, I think I think but you are right. Yeah. And this will go into a, a ne- our next conversation. But like, I think if you you can kind of give him those half days by DHing him while Alvarez is out at least sometimes and playing Oledmus Diaz at first base to kind of preserve Gurriel's legs a little bit. So let's go to the most important over under 35 and a half Astros win total. We've checked, checked a couple of places uh, as of July 20th, 35 and a half is a number by, but is the number by comparison, the A's right now I've seen are at 33 and a half. Jake, I got to say, and I'll probably feel more strongly about this on Thursday, but when you tell me that Jordan Alvarez is not there and Jose Urquidy is not there and Roberto Osuna is not ready for opening day, uh, if I was actually in Vegas, like the under is what I'd be thinking on this one. I don't know how else to escape it. Yeah, I I think the under is the safe play here. Um I think ultimately they'll end up somewhere around 34, 35. Um, but I do think picking the over would be ambitious. It feels ambitious right now with the uncertainty. Like b- beyond one or two guys in the bullpen, you're gonna have you're gonna have guys pitching starting maybe even Friday, but, but Saturday, Sunday against Seattle, who probably have no big league experience. Yeah, and to be clear, it's not a hundred percent sure what whether or not Osuna is going to be ready for Friday. There's a, still a chance as we speak now that he might be um, or, or shortly after Friday. But even if Osuna is ready, there's, you know, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, there's still major questions about their bullpen. Um, 
you slot Osuna into the ninth, you slot Presley into the eighth, and then, you know, after that, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, you're relying on Chris Stavinsky, basically, as a seventh-inning man. Um, Brian yep. Brian Abreu, a prospect. Um, Cy Sneed, who would have been in AAA if the season had started as it was supposed to in, in March. Um, so, like, they might have, like, four guys who have never pitched in the big leagues behind that crew who make yes. the opening day roster because they just don't have enough arms right now with, with Peacock down and Pruitt down uh, and Urquidy out for the time being. So... The bullpen's a real question. That's that's the biggest reason I think I would go under thirty five and a half, but not. I don't think I'd go too far under. I wouldn't go too far under, under because I think the the lineup and the and the front end of the rotation is just is just too good. Assuming those guys stay healthy, but I, I look at it this way: losing Garrett Cole, Alvarez out of the middle of the order, at least for now. We'll see what happens with that situation and this gigantic question mark in the bullpen, plus I think the Rangers will be better with their starting rotation. I think the Angels with Rendon will be a little bit better. Uh, Seattle remains the same. I think the division is a little bit better. I don't know why the A should be worse because of that. Right now, I'm going under 35 and a half. Yeah, hey, we agree on something. Um, We agree, yes. (laughs) I I mean, I, I would feel a little bit, I would feel differently about this if everything, especially we we harp a lot on this podcast because this is the team that we cover on this podcast about all the questions. I'm sure other teams probably just based on talent have far more questions than they do, but especially just the combination of the uncertainty of the back end of the rotation with again, no Will Harris, no Joe Smith for right now, this Osuna situation, uh, the, the bullpen, like I, I just don't know how comfortable I am in them getting some of these outs to get these wins. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Again, like who's going to get Mike Trout in the sixth inning with the runner on second? Um, yep. Until Brad Peacock's back. I mean, he Peacock's like the obvious righty right-handed guy, right? Because the slider. But I, you know, it sounds like he's a little bit away from being ready. And um, yeah, Dusty said he's behind Austin Pruitt, right? Right. As far as guys who are ready. Yeah, and Pruitt sounds like is at least like a week or so behind opening day. So yeah, and neither has gotten off the mound. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big question. Um, what do you, you know? Obviously, it's Monday, and Alvarez hasn't Jordan Alvarez hasn't reported as of Sunday, so he's not going to be on the opening day roster. Um, what do you think the Astros should do at DH until Alvarez is ready? I'm usually somebody who likes to have one replacement for one replacement, but when I look at this, uh, when I look at this roster. I think they're going to end up going with some kind of rotation, right? My first thought was, okay, put Kyle Tucker in there. But I think you're going to need to rotate him and Redick a little bit. And my second thought was Aledmus Diaz as well. I think it's ultimately they're going to be sliding guys in and out, getting giving, especially with how truncated the season is, they're going to use the DH as kind of a way station to give a guy like a quasi day off and put the other guy, you know, in the field. And I think that's ultimately what it's going to end up being. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it it'll be like, um, like you think about it this way: Who do you take out of the lineup and, and take out of the field and put into the DH spot and not lose a ton of defense? Um, you know, you could theoretically argue putting Brantley at the DH and Tucker and left. You don't lose a ton. Yes. Um, even Springer at DH because you have Miles Straw. Who could play center? You don't lose a ton. Um, 
Guriel. Guriel is definitely their best. You know, I think by far their best defensive first baseman. But Diaz is pretty good there himself, so you don't lose a ton. So I think you look at it that way and like cycle those yeah. guys in and out. Plus Tucker, um, you know, play each of those guys once or twice a week at DH, and I think that covers it for for as long as Alvarez is out. And then once Alvarez is out, you you kind of use that. Or once Alvarez is back, you kind of use like, all right, who played, who played well? Like, is Tucker hitting better than Reddick? And you can kind of make decisions yes. that way once you're at full strength. If 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 you get there, let I me mean, put it this way: there's no way that one guy is replacing Alvarez in the lineup every in the lineup every single day, right? That's just not realistic. I do think they have enough depth to cover a short-term Alvarez absence. Just like their lineup is still really deep. I mean, no no other yeah. team. Well, maybe the Yankees do, or the Dodgers. But, like, most teams don't have six, like, a, far above average hitters in their lineup to start things off like the Astros do. Um, You're without right. Without Alvarez. I, I'm, not as con- I'm not as concerned about them filling this spot, you know, just for now. But it is a big sort of long-term concern of mine that between the loss of Garrett Cole and Will Harris, our collective feeling the team isn't as good as they were in 2019, and then the the mystery surrounding Alvarez right now, it just makes me concerned for all 60 games. I think if this team is going to go, it's going to win the World Series or go deep in the playoffs. I, I flat out think they're going to need Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, they definitely like when the stakes are highest to be at their best, need him. I mean, he's. He was their best hitter in the second half, right? Or maybe Bregman was. Yes. But like one of their two best hitters and one of the ten best hitters in the in Major League Baseball uh, in the second half last year. So, or really post June, if you post his his debut. So that, that's a big loss if you don't have him. But I think um, we don't know how long they're not going to have him. So in the short term, if it's only a short term thing, I, I do think they have enough lineup depth where um, it's not even the biggest question on their team. Uh, I would I would still put the pitching as, as the, the much bigger question. So we'll see when it comes to Alvarez. Obviously, I'm sure that's kind of a, a floating situation, and maybe we'll find out more middle towards the end of this week. Jake, let's get to roster decisions. So first of all, administratively, they need to set this on Thursday before the Seattle series, right? Yeah, so Thursday at 11 a.m. Central is when every team needs to submit its roster to Major League Baseball, um, whether that means they announce it on Thursday or wait till Friday, I'm not sure. Uh, I would assume and hope they announce it Thursday uh, after they submit it. But um, yeah, so the b- Thursday, given that's opening day for the, the league, that's when every team needs to set their, their official uh, roster. Yes. So we know it's uh, we know it's 30 guys as opposed to, you know, the, the typical number. OK, what for you? And I think you have an article dropping today on The Athletic, right, about the biggest roster decisions left. Yeah, I did a projected roster uh, that is up now on The Athletic and detailed a lot of the thinking behind each of my picks, uh, or at least the picks that are in doubt and why I went a certain way. But there's a lot like I've done a lot of projected rosters over the last three years, you know, you know, whether it's playoff roster, opening day roster. And this was easily the hardest one just because there's so many moving parts. And it seems like every day there's a new person in or out. Right. With availability. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was really difficult. But there's a lot of uh, 
questions about how they're going to fill out their pitching staff. That's really the, the main takeaway is, um, you know, especially if Osuna's not ready for opening day. Um, and even if he is, yeah, like... Yeah, I, I, I want to spend a moment on that. Uh, you know, Dusty Baker made it sound like that Osuna not being ready yet is not really his fault. He's a guy who works hard, and what they're trying to do now is to, you know, to kind of slow him down so that he, so he kind of stays healthy for the long term. But I'm sitting here thinking, like, okay, all you got to do is pitch an inning, I guess, on Friday, ideally. Why is Roberto Osuna not ready for opening day? Yeah, I don't really understand it, to be honest with you. I mean, Josh James was away from camp until this week, and he's going to start you know, pitch yes. five or six innings uh, on on what Monday, uh, Monday a week yes. from today. So like, yeah, it seems a little sketchy that he's not ready. Um, I don't really, you know, they say he's not hurt, um, but that he was late to camp. Which again, like, we didn't actually know that as it was happening. <laughs> there wasn't a disclosure <laughs> that he was late to camp um, back when we were talking about those four guys being not there. Um, so it sounds like it's just a conditioning thing. He's not, his arm's not ready. He's throwing long toss. They keep raving about how great of a long toss, uh, thrower he is, uh, for how do you, how do you become great at long toss? What, what does that look like? I guess he throw it really far, like extra long. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, extra long, long toss. I guess. I don't know. I mean, he, d- I think every pitcher does have a different way of preparing and, um, he is different in like you watch him warm up for a game. It looks like he's playing catch, right? He's not actually like throwing yep. a hard bullpen like other guys are when you watch him warming up. So he's definitely got some differences in how he prepares. You know, I still included him on my opening day roster projection just because like number one, like if I didn't, like there's just not enough arms to fill it out. And number two, yeah. like if you commit to starting him on the IL, then then you lose him for 10 days and that's in a 60 game season a lot of the season so Mm -hmm. you know if there's any chance he's ready sunday or tuesday or thursday whatever like you i think you just carry him and let him kind of work his way into it that makes sense because just to get this for the audience that once they set the rosters on Thursday, you can't make let's say osuna retroactive to some point before that it would be that date right yeah i'm not exactly sure the retroactive threshold in this year but it's usually like three days okay. so maybe they could theoretically push him back to like three but even that would be a week right right i mean i i'm with you like i don't understand how he's not ready to throw one inning right and if he <laughs> yeah and if he's not ready for friday how is he not ready for monday or tuesday if he's indeed not injured so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me um like i said it's a little fishy and i'm not really sure I'm definitely skeptical about the whole thing. I don't really understand how it's you know, like like if Josh James can come in and be a starter after not being in camp, like he should it's he, he should be ready to throw one inning. I mean, the way I'm looking at this bullpen right now, they have one. There's one guy who, for me, Jake, is not a question mark, and that's Ryan Presley. Literally, everybody else is a question mark of their own. I mean, you've got you've got them with. So one third of the team on Friday, based on your projection, is going to be is going to be in the bullpen. It's going to be relievers, which which makes sense based on just everything going on. Uh, but I'm looking at these ten guys, and it's so many unknowns. Just a, a, a scary number of individuals with no major league baseball experience. Yeah, I think I had four relievers who have never been in the big leagues. 
um, yeah. including one non-roster guy and Brandon Belak. Um, yeah, it's it's not what you would envision for a team that's expecting to contend, and there's little margin for error in a, in a 60-game season. Um, and he, you could argue, you mentioned not having questions about Presley. Like, I could counter that with he's never been a closer before if he's, if he's asked yeah. to do that. He is coming off a second half that was injury riddled and he was not the same pitcher. Um, I think there's still some questions about him, just that he, he's going to have to answer through his performance just because it's been a while. It's been more than a calendar year since we've seen him be like the all-star level Ryan Presley. So, yeah, they're really going to miss Will Harris, I think. I mean, like... Uh, I totally agree. Like, obviously, everyone, like, you think of him and you remember his last moment as an Astro, but um, he was automatic for them up until, what, game six of the World Series? And especially during the regular season against all the left-handed hitters with his cutter and curveball, like, I don't know, he saved them a lot of times. And I think uh, it's easy to, to take that for granted. And I think... You know, not having him is a huge, huge deal. So for you, uh, when we talk about questions about the roster, what for you are, you mentioned, you know, four guys, no major league experience, one guy who's not even on, who's not even on the, the 40 man roster. What for you, Jake, from a reliever standpoint, because we know what the starting rotation is going to be. And I think the sense right now is that Framber Valdez would be the fifth starter, at least to kind of begin things who we talked about in the previous episode. From a reliever standpoint, what do you are like the one or two biggest questions that you're looking to see when they release this roster Thursday or Friday morning? Um, how do they fill out 10 or 11? I mean, like, I think they should start with 11 relievers, given all this uncertainty. Okay. But I literally couldn't get to 11. Like, Well, because you have a, a bunch of guys who are hurt, right? Between Peacock, Pruitt, Armenteros, and, and CNL Perez as well, which I wasn't aware of until last night. Yeah, he's another uh, mystery one. Um, yeah, and it's and and then you have, like, the, the ramifications of not having Urquidy, which means... Valdez can't be in the bullpen. Um, yep. Yeah, it. I. They might have to add several multiple players to the forty man. They might have to, you know, search for reinforcements as other teams trim their rosters. They might have to make a waiver claim. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not sure they will, and I'm not sure if you want to add a player to your forty man roster who you don't envision being on it long term just for a couple weeks because the rosters do trim in two weeks to buy two roster spots but I, I i the fact that i couldn't even get to 11 was was pretty telling i thought yeah i, I think for me this not even just the, the roster but the first like week or so of the season this for me is the biggest question mark for me is once you know verlander McCullers, Granky. I mean, I don't know how deep, you know, Lance McCullers is going to go his first time out on, on Saturday. Who knows? But this is going to be my, my biggest question is once we get to the sixth inning, the seventh inning, the eighth inning, if this team needs to go to the bullpen and they will, who the heck is going to get out? That for me is what I am fascinated by over the course of the first week before I kind of have a sense of these guys in the bullpen, just especially with the amount of guys who I have never seen pitch before. Yeah, I think we're going to really find out who Brent Strom trusts, right? Um, yes. Right out of the gate. And, you know, presumably they'll they'll save the rookies, the guys who have never been up, uh, aside from Abreu, 
maybe Javier too, for like the, the losing situations where they just need to fill innings to get through a loss or a blowout win and and save the 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 A arm, so to speak, for, for the next game. But um even figuring out who the A arms are is is difficult right now. So I I agree with you. Yes. Like seeing who Brent Strom and Dusty Baker trust is going to be Maybe the thing I'm watching for most in, in the first week or two, because um, there's a lot of opportunity for, for pitchers to, to step up and, um, you know, think about like they've had a pretty set bullpen for a few years now. And I think it's going to look a lot different this year. OK, let's, let's go over to the, the hitters. So most of these spots are filled with guys who their resumes, you know, they are what they are and they really need no introduction. Uh what for you are the most interesting roster decisions when it comes to the end of the bench for James Click on Thursday or Friday? What you're looking at? Yeah, like I, um, this is going to be like a nerd nerdy response, but like the rules don't really encourage you to carry three catchers. Um, How so? Because okay, so there's three players can travel with the major league team who aren't on the roster as a taxi squad. And okay, so you have 33 guys traveling. Yeah, and if you bring all three, which I don't know why you wouldn't, one has to be a catcher. So basically, you can have a uh, third okay. catcher around at all times without putting him on the roster. And then if you need him, yeah, that makes you can sense. add him. And that same catcher can also be a, an extra bullpen catcher at home games. So that third catcher never has to go to Corpus Christi. Um, He can just be around the team without being on the team, basically. Well, well, in, in that case, you've sold me. Yes, I actually wasn't aware until you mentioned that that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. So in that case, it basically incentivizes you to keep, you know, whoever your third catcher is going to be, I guess, in their case, probably Garrett Stubbs. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So so Stubbs. So basically Maldonado Garno on the roster and then Stubbs as your 31st, 32nd, 33rd guy always traveling with the team break open in, in case of emergency. Yes. But here's the thing. In my projection, I still put Stubbs on because there's no Alvarez and I couldn't find an 11th reliever. <laughs> and so like yeah. it was a, at a point it was like, all right, well, if, I, if you don't carry Stubbs, then like what are you going to do with that roster spot? So yeah. I put Stubbs on for the first two weeks, maybe the first month. And, you know, he can be he can give Maldonado or Garneau a breather. I mean, you could argue he's him and him and Garneau are pretty much close to even in terms of like caliber of player and he can also he's like really fast so he could be you know that extra inning pinch runner if miles straw's already in the game um he can he can kind of just be an extra good extra um you know runner off the bench so you know i don't think that you want to play him in in second base or in left field i think if you're probably covered at those positions but um that's kind of why i put him on and then the other spot there's going to be you know, I think Abraham Toro is pretty safely on at this point, but um, I would think so. But yeah. because there's no Alvarez and, and the whole reliever thing, like I actually put on Taylor Jones as well as an additional. Why? Bat. Why Jones instead of Jack Mayfield, who I saw had a pretty good weekend? Yeah, I, I, I considered changing it, but, you know, Jack Mayfield homering off of uh, Justin Verlander change up. Is that enough to is that it's a little small sample size for me to, to change my yes, my opinion. All you need is one. <laughs> All you need is one. Put him on the roster. Yeah, I think I think Jones <laughs> is more of a dangerous hitter than Mayfield. Okay. Um, 
you know, I, I haven't heard Jones's name much in camp, but I also don't put much stock into camp. Um, I, I think like if you look at it this way, like the expanded rosters give you more, uh, you can pinch hit more liberally and, you know, have a quicker trigger on, on pinch hitting for the catchers or for Josh Reddick if, if a lefty comes in. And in the roster I projected, you would have Abraham Toro as like your best left-handed bat off the bench. And then yes. Taylor Jones as like your dangerous right-handed bat off the bench. And it almost plays like a playoff scenario, right? Where they carry extra bench it, bench bats to pinch hit more and play the matchups. And so that's why I picked Jones over Mayfield, but I could easily see it going the other way, or I could see them not carrying that extra bench bat at all and finding some reliever somewhere who, who they can fill that 11th spot with. The Jones thing, I think, makes sense because, you know, he is he's a first baseman. So as opposed to Mayfield, who's at a position where, you know, you've got a star at shortstop. You've got Toro there as well. So there might be, as you're mentioning, Jake, just more availability for a Taylor Jones if he is indeed a more dangerous hitter than Mayfield uh, because there's probably less depth on the first base side. Just, you know, a, a powerful hitter, especially with Alvarez not there, as opposed to someone like Jack Mayfield, who they're hoping is not going to play. Yeah, and Jones has played some left field in the minors. Um, not that you would, like, ideally... You know, use him there if you're if you don't have to, but you could if you, especially at Minute Maid, where there's not much ground to cover. He's for for his size, and he's like six seven. He's pretty athletic, and he's a he's a good, really good defensive first baseman too. So, um, again, it's more just for the bat off the bench than anything in the field. Um, you know, there shouldn't be much playing time for anyone in the field other than the people you you think will be playing there. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of a way to fill out the roster with. With the 15th bat, um, again, I do think they should carry 14 bats and, and the extra reliever, but it was just hard, hard, I, I hard to, to get agree. to that. So we'll see what James Click ends up doing again. Opening day is Friday and approaching very, very soon. I will wrap it up here. Do us a favor if you're enjoying the podcast. Give us a rating and review on Apple. And especially as the season uh, gets here on Friday, tell your friends about the Crawford Talks to make sure they listen because this will be, again, the first time in four months where this podcast will actually be discussing real, live Major League Baseball games. And if you want to help support the podcast as well, subscribe to the athletic through our special promo and you get 40% off an annual subscription you can do that by going to theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks he's Jay Kaplan I'm Mike Meltzer this has been the latest episode of the Crawford Talks an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic The Athletic